InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Sadly, it seems whenever there are people in trouble, you usually find others willing to help for a price. And in today's economy, plenty of people are looking for a lifeline. With a look, here's InfoTrack's Chris Whitting. Chris? Thanks, Roy. Our next guest says, for countless broke and bankrupt Americans, an entire industry is eager to lend a hand and exploit them at the same time. Award-winning author Gary Rivlin has written Broke USA, From Pawn Shops to Poverty, Inc., How the Working Poor Became Big Business. And we welcome Gary to InfoTrack. How are you? Thanks, Chris. I'm doing well. Gary, your book focuses on the working poor in America. Can you give us any idea of how many people we're talking about in this segment of the population? Well, the Federal Reserve monitors this kind of thing, and they say there are about 40 million or so households in the U.S. that are bringing in $30,000 or less. And the working poor depends on where you live. I mean, $30,000 a year here in New York City where I'm sitting goes a lot less than 30000 in you know other parts of the country. But I thought that was a pretty good breaking point for what I would define as the main market for the businesses I'm writing about. With the subprime mortgage collapse and the turmoil in the economy, have a lot of people been pushed into this segment for possibly the first time in their lives? Right. What the petty lenders are seeing, what those in the rent-to-own business are seeing, rent-to-own is people renting their furniture, appliance, TV by the week or month. What they're seeing is that there's a whole new crop of customers coming in. It used to be someone's making $30,000, $40,000 a year before they went to rent-to-own. But times are hard. People are getting by on less. Their hours have been cut. They've lost one of their wage earners. And they're now seeing people coming in making $50,000 a year. Pawnbrokers. They're now seeing middle-class people coming in with big flat-screen televisions that they wish they hadn't bought, and now they're looking to pawn them for some extra cash. Well, let's talk about some of these industries that you say are exploiting the working poor. And you mentioned pawn shops. Haven't pawn shops been around for generations, and what has changed, if anything? They've been around for centuries, actually. They date back to ancient China, Italy in the 1500s, 1400s had pawn shops. What's changed is they've become really, really big business. We still have the ma and pa pawnbrokers, but we also have huge chains like Cash America, which is 650 pawn shops, bring in a billion dollars or more in revenue a year and make pre-tax profits of $150 million. And that's a lot of what I'm writing about, the pawnbroker, the check casher. These aren't new. What's new are these old line companies going Wall Street and becoming huge, huge businesses. At the same time, you see all sorts of new businesses, creative ways of capitalizing on those of modest means, building businesses on people with no money in their pockets, as counterintuitive as that sounds. Yeah, you would think that going after the working poor would not be a good business plan, but apparently it is for a lot of these companies. That's what drew me to this. It's like an upside-down world where you know no money in the pocket is good for businesses. I learned an expression doing this research, the payday lenders use it, where the banks want 100 people worth at least a million dollars, the payday lenders want a million people, none of whom have a hundred dollars. And that's because the person has no money in their pocket. They could be desperate. The car breaks down. They owe a couple of bills. They could be desperate for cash. And when you're desperate for cash, you're pretty much willing to pay anything to get it. Are payday loans, is that business a fairly new invention? Well, yes and no. At the turn of the last century, the end of the 19th century, start of the 20th century, you had people in the business of 
they were called the five for six boys. We'll give you five dollars today, and you'll owe us six dollars on payday. And that was outlawed. But the modern day payday lending industry dates back to 1993, so it's not even 20 years old, but it's enormous. I mean, it's a 40 billion dollar a year industry, and there are as many payday shops in this country as there are McDonald's and Burger Kings. It's gone from non-existent. Essentially, in 20 years ago, to pervasive at least in those states where they can operate legally. We're talking with Gary Rivlin, who is an award-winning author, and he's written "Broke USA: From Pawn Shops to Poverty Inc." How the working poor became big business. Regarding the payday loan business, Gary, haven't some states cracked down on that? Well, there's two elements to this. Most states. Have an existing usury cap, a cap on the interest rates you could charge. And what the payday lenders did, starting in the early 1990s, was lobby, give campaign contributions to get an exemption from the existing usury laws. Their logic was that this was a two-week loan, it's a fee, not really an interest rate, and it was persuasive enough to convince dozens of legislatures around the country to give an exemption. But they never got into around a dozen or so states. What's been happening over the last several years? Is that because of people getting trapped in these loans, states have taken away the exemption. The big loss the payday lenders had in 2008 was Ohio. It's one of the top five markets, or had been one of the top five markets for the payday lenders. They were charging an interest rate equivalent of about 400 percent in Ohio, but then the legislature said, "You know, we have a usury cap of 28 percent. We're going to take away your exemption, and now you have to abide by this 28 percent." Cap, but it it hasn't been that easy. You would think like, okay, the payday lenders therefore have to close shop. Instead, what they've been doing is using other vehicles, small loan act, mortgage act, and they're still making these small denomination loans of two hundred, three hundred, four hundred dollars. But now they're charging a fifteen dollar application fee. They're charging a fifteen dollar credit check fee. The more aggressive are giving the payment in a check rather than in cash, and charging a fee to cash the check. And so essentially, they're charging twenty eight percent interest. But you add up all those fees I just laid out, and it works out to、uh, the equivalent of about a four hundred percent a year annual percentage rate. And some of these businesses are online now as well, right? Yeah, online payday is a multi-billion-dollar industry, and this is what the payday lenders say: you can outlaw us in Ohio, you can prevent us from operating in New York State, but then people are just going to go online, and the fact is, you're going to pay more money. You're going to pay a 500, 600 percent equivalent annual percentage rate online than you are in these shops. Earlier, you had talked about these businesses, pawn payday, being exploitative. I think it's kind of in the eye of beholder. What I really try to do in this book is give the payday side of the argument, give the pawnbroker side of the argument, but then show the consumer critic argument, show how it's played out in practice. So I think they were the poles of the argument: are they exploiting or are they providing a needed life jacket to those who are drowning and desperate for cash? I guess the question that I'm left with is, what can be done about this? Is this really something that can only be adjusted through the government, or is there any other way to deal with it? Well, what's interesting is the payday lenders—they so overbuilt. There's such a saturation point that they're actually starting to. Scale back their stores. The consumer protection people—they've scored some victories, and so it's not just a matter of government. But the federal government is involved too. There's legislation to create a national usury cap. 
and the more popular number is 36%, which would say no bank, no lender could charge more than 36% for a loan. Who knows if we'll get anywhere, but it is legislation that's been on the table for the last couple of years. Well, the book is Broke USA, From Pawn Shops to Poverty, Inc., How the Working Poor Became Big Business. Gary Rivlin is the author. And his website is Gary Rivlin, that's spelled R-I-V-L-I-N, GaryRivlin.com. Gary, we want to thank you for joining us on InfoTrack. Thanks very much, Chris. I'm Chris Whitting for InfoTrack. You're listening to InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know.